Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our show. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, available at Amazon in paperback and ebook, and at Audible in audio format. And I'm going to bring my brother right in here. Kevin, come on in. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Very good. You know, once again, we're still fighting off this corona menace. But, you know, it's good that you and I can get together with our listeners and have a little aside for an hour talking Bigfoot and all things cryptid. Oh, it sure is. It's good good for my health to get away from... uh... All the news and all the worry. Yeah, it's uh, ridiculous. And But on a good note, uh, in the hospital in which I work, uh, many, many people are exiting well. Others are still coming in and being sent home to quarantine. But in general, it seems that our social distancing... And the work that we are doing as individuals is having a dramatic effect. So keep going, folks. Uh, batten down the hatches. Bear with it. And for a little while, at least, enjoy the podcast that my <laughs> brother and I are about to present exactly, to you. Exactly, exactly. Agree, Bill. I think, you know, maybe we're plateauing a little bit. And I definitely think the social distances is wor- distancing is working. And I thank everybody, you know, across the world and uh, even in my little city here, I can see changes uh, in behavior. Everyone's really trying to do their best. Absolutely. And hopefully no Bigfoots will be hurt during this broadcast. (laughs) Hopefully they won't get too lonely and then come out of the woods. (laughs) All right, brother. So I'm sure you got something uh, up your sleeve uh, today. And what may that be? I do. Well, you know, last week we I told you I put a couple of things on the shelf that were extra creepy Uh uh, because I just wasn't in the mood for it. Well, this week. I'm in the mood for. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Break out the creep. So we are doing a little skinwalker today. Uh, I love skinwalkers. Oh, man. These things are creepy. <laughs> yes, they are creepy. Oh, my goodness. So, so what did you come up with? So, well, well, we'll talk a little bit about the skinwalkers themselves, their origin. And then I don't know if you saw it. So I, I had this one put together and then I happened to catch a few of the episodes of this new uh, show that's out on the History Channel. The Secrets of the Skinwalker Ranch. Have you seen that? I watch every one of them. Oh, uh, pretty cool, right? Yeah, I'm, I've been following the Skinwalker Ranch probably for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, I know you've mentioned it before, so uh, you probably know more about it than me for sure. But uh, I've been I've been looking at it for a month now, and then saw the that show is very well done. Yeah, and uh, the guy heading it up there, that physicist. Oh yeah, uh, he's got his head screwed on straight, and. Uh, I think that's why the new owner brought him in to bring some credibility to what it is they're doing, which is a scientific investigation uh, to the best of their ability. Yeah, and we'll talk about him. His name is Travis Taylor. Um, I dug up a recent interview with him, which is pretty good. We'll go through some of the questions and his answers. But he's definitely, you know, he's literally a rocket scientist. He's got top secret clearance, physicist, 
optical guy, you know, you name it. The guy studied it and built uh, rockets and stuff like that out of Huntsville, Alabama. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool guy, very credible. And, you know, that you've seen the show, Bill, it's interesting how he comes in and he's a total skeptic, which you can't blame him because at least the way it's edited, you know, the other guys come off a little bit kooky, right? You know, some of them at least um, that are that are at the ranch now. And he comes in as, you know, this buttoned up, super smart, logical, calm guy. But even after the first couple of days, he's like, holy crap, what the heck is going on? <laughs> yeah, well, he got sick when they entered into that first little cave, if yeah, you will. sinkhole or whatever. He got sick in it. Yeah, instantly. Yeah. And with weird. no apparent reason for it. Right. Nothing that they could come up with. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's yeah, this this whole thing, this there's something going on there. And uh, uh, what the outcome will be is anybody's guess. Yeah. Yeah, so let's we'll step back. We'll talk a little bit about um, uh, skinwalkers themselves. So you know the the origin of the skinwalker comes out of the Navajo uh, Native American people, right? And and the name uh, for a skinwalker, just for fun in uh, Navajo language, is Yi Naldluishi. So mm. I'm sure people are going to tell me uh, I mispronounced it, which is okay. But the, the literal translation of it, apparently, is it goes on all fours. So kind of it walks on all fours, yeah, uh, which is interesting because a lot of the sightings are like these wolf-like creatures, giant wolf-like creatures that walk on their hind legs. Yeah, and I was talking about, I think in our last podcast briefly, about some of the early owners Yes. Of that Skinwalker Ranch, that guy had fired. He emptied a three fifty seven into one of those things, uh, and it didn't drop. Uh, and then he followed that up with a couple of rifle shots, thirty odd six, before it ran away. Yeah, I think that was the Sherman family, or who were the original owners of the ranch. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it's wild. I mean, the stories, and again, you know, you look. You first look at it, you see the photos and stuff, and you're like, okay, this is just crazy stuff. Maybe combined with a little bit of Area 51, you know, that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe the Air Force is testing some weird aircraft out there. Um, but, you know, the show really, really starts to get into it that there's something else going on there. We'll talk about that. But these, yeah. these Navajo, right, so they, they're firm believers in this. Apparently, like, Navajo, they won't talk much at all about the skinwalkers. So, you know, they're very reluctant to talk about it with anyone outside of the Navajo Nation. And then even even uh, within the Navajo Nation, they're reluctant and will only discuss them, discuss it with really their most trusted friends, apparently. Yeah. Now, there were two Indian tribes uh out yeah, the, there. the Utes. The Utes. And Not to be confused it? with the Utes from my cousin Vinny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, a couple of Utes standing <laughs> on the corner up in no good. Hey, Balanuzzi. <laughs> no, but the were the Utes the Indian tribe that sided with the United States Cavalry? Exactly, exactly. So the... The Utes and the the Na and the Navajo, uh, the, a lot of their land bordered one another, and uh -huh. specifically, it bordered one another right there near the Skinwalker Ranch. Okay. And um, so they had a lot of fights with one another. They were friends for a long time, apparently, and then they started fighting with one another. And then the Utes, not to be confused with the Utes, uh, <laughs> hey, they joined. <laughs> Uh, up with the U.S. Cavalry, like you mentioned, and then they did their best to slaughter the Navajo. Yeah. And then the Navajo apparently put a skinwalker curse on the land there, um, you know, basically on the Utes and their land. So, you know, a lot of the Native Americans will think of it as this this skinwalker thing that's going on out there at Skinwalker Ranch is definitely directly associated with the curse that the Navajos put on the Utes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh 
That's interesting now. You know, you're dragging in a whole other dimension here when you're talking about putting curses well, and that's it. And see, the, the Navajo believe that the skinwalker is kind of a witch. Like, it's their version of a witch. And they're very specific, okay, to our witch friends out there that write us a lot of email. Um, they're very specific that in their culture, not my view of their culture, their culture, they don't have any good witches. All of the witches are seen as evil, according to the Navajo. Uh-huh. So hopefully I get, hopefully I put off a lot of mail that we're going to get, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so so they're very very much evil, and um, they they're able to uh, basically be a shapeshifter, a little bit like our friend Arugaru, and uh, uh, shapeshift into different types of animal, and even into uh, uh, you know people like creatures. Yeah, uh, and going way back, uh, it, as far as my uh, boning up on this subject, going way back, uh, I heard uh, Native Americans uh, being interviewed uh, in which they said that uh, children were lured by people who they thought were their grandmothers. Yes, you know, they, they were physically uh, and mentally and, and anything else you could state in that regard under the notion that what they were talking to was their relative. Exactly. So that in itself is bizarre. Like, you know, hey, grandma's calling me to come over, and what are you going to do? You're going to go over. Yeah. And then some of the legend in Navajo is that the skinwalkers are actually, they used to be people. So they're dead now. They're like these evil witch spirits. Um, but they they used to be people and that they they can actually kind of steal your face so that they can mimic you, you know, perhaps to your relatives, for example. Well, you know, I have some people I wish somebody would steal their face because I'm sick of looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Sorry we'll talk, about let's that. talk a little bit more about the facts. So uh, these skinwalkers, they can transform into any type of animal at will. Now, the, the, the folks that see them say that they're frequently seen as coyotes, wolves, foxes, eagles, owls, and or crows. Hmm. So again, they could be anything. There's some accounts where people saw them that like they stopped to pick someone up hitchhiking on the road, thinking it was someone from their reservation. And then when they stopped, the thing uh, took off, you know, at like 50 miles an hour running across the uh, plains next to them. Yeah, nothing that's humanly possible. No. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's really creepy. Can you imagine something like that going down uh, for yourself? Hmm. I mean, it's easy for us to stand back when we talk about now skinwalkers, Bigfoots, this and that. But when something happens to you, then it's a whole nother ball of wax, a whole nother kettle of fish, right? Exactly. Now it's happened to you, and you're the one left holding the ball. Who am I going to tell? Am I going to tell anybody? Uh, and that's really how this whole thing begins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So pretty creepy. They say that if you accidentally lock eyes with a skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into your body and take control of your actions. Mm, so man. if you see something you're suspicious of, like a giant wolf with red eyes, don't look them in the <laughs> eye. <laughs> yeah, don't offer them a Marlboro and a can of beer. Just take that Mac-10 <laughs> off your shoulder and empty the magazine. Don't look directly at it. Pull the trigger and spray. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so they that, can absorb. They say. Who, now, who says they. Is this coming from the Native American uh, uh, culture that they believe this thing can absorb itself into you? That's kind of like general, general legends of the skinwalker. So I'm sure a lot of that comes from the Native Americans. Yeah, it's just kind of out yeah. there. Yeah, they talk about them running incredibly fast. Um, and then they they have the tendency, I know you're going to be shocked by this, Bill, 
to hang around graveyards oh, and, okay. and dig up graves at an impossibly fast speed. <laughs> Especially yeah, I, if Mothman <laughs> is flying over said graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see yourself like entering a graveyard and you're seeing something digging like, uh, the, <laughs> like, Tasmanian like the Tasmanian devil on Looney devil throwing <laughs> dirt around? <laughs> Like a like a crazed Labrador digging for a stinky bone. <laughs> oh, so oh. how do you think you kill a skinwalker if you see one, Bill? Uh, well, you know, uh, we we can go back to the uh, silver bullet and a stake to the heart. Yeah, they they don't mention that, but not bad. You know, if you got a if you got a Mac Ten with silver bullets in it, I'd still empty the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> but they say that you can kill a skinwalker if you call them by their true human name. Wow. Well, so when they became you, a witch, I, you know, you just got to start saying, Bill, Kev, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Stay where you are. Bob, Fred, Ted, Alice. <laughs> he who runs like wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently, you know, that's, uh, you get really desperate. You start shouting names. As you run. Yeah, and then the last <laughs> point is they, well, as you run without looking them directly in the eye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the last point is that skinwalkers are most commonly encountered near Native American reservations. So that kind of makes sense. But they, they have been seen all over the United States. Yeah, and uh, many odd things have been seen around this uh, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. And relative to that show, uh, didn't you find it kind of odd that the uh, new owner uh, divulged that all of the discoveries that were made by the previous owner are pretty much confidential or like top secret? Yeah, was it Bigelow you mentioned last week that owned it? And, right, uh, and apparently all the files are confidential now or top secret. Yeah, it's yeah, just kind of locked up, up and uh, they're not giving out the information. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those theories, and then I guess on the next episode, uh, that guy, you know, the scientist here, he's gonna he's gonna take us through what he thinks, Travis Taylor. Uh huh. Of course, they'll probably hang us on for another episode or two. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, this is something that has to develop. I mean, yeah. obviously, they're doing a lot of different things there and uh, and in the hope of getting answers. Which oh, no, no, it's not... pretty cool. You know, it's well done. It's a well, yeah. well done. So far, I think it's well done. Uh-huh. So, all right. So we're going to talk about a couple of these accounts that I came across on the Internet of different folks that ran into um, the Skinwalkers. Okay. Wow. Okay. So uh, first one is kind of short. And uh, this person writes, my uncle is Mexican and Native American. This happened in the Mojave Desert in Southern California. He was driving around with his girlfriend late at night, and they saw something that looked like a huge black dog on the side of the road. He slowed down, and the dog began crossing the road. But instead of walking at all like a normal dog, this thing moved like a toy rocking horse. So very strange, right? Yeah, kind of hobbling back and forth. Yeah, like. kind of rocking across the road, like completely artificially. And he said it stopped in the middle of the road and stared right at them, and its eyes uh, glowed red. Well, here we go with the red eyeballs you got again. That right. And he said, this, this guy writes, my uncle is the most badass person I know, and it scared the crap out of him. Wow. Yeah, yeah I can believe it. It would scare the crap out of me, too. You got that right. You got that Woo. right. Holy smoke. So here, here's another good one. So uh, this person writes, uh, so this happened about 12 years ago. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter, I was home for Christmas, taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. As I was home by myself, way late in the night, and I hear all of our cows freaking out. I knew it had to be one of the wild dogs that are rampant in the area. So I throw on some boots, grab a shotgun, load it up, and head out to the field. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon. 
and it was breaking through the clouds just right to light up all of the snow. I ran out in the middle of the field, and just in time, I see two dogs. They're standing up, facing each other, and fighting. I think, perfect, two for one. <laughs> you Jeez. like this guy. So I pump a shell into the chamber of Mr. 12-Gauge, and then it <laughs> happened. Yeah, get this. He says, then it happened. The two dogs heard the rack. They both stopped, looked over at me, and ran away on their back legs. Wow. Yeah. That is really odd. Huh? <laughs> Dogs running on their back legs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally weird, right? Yeah. And and they're really not a dog is not designed to run on that. Even when your dog stands up on their hind legs to kind of play with you. Oh, they, yeah. Mine couldn't run on its hind legs. No, no. It's a totally unnatural thing for something built that way to do. Yeah. Wow, that is really freaky. So there's a lot of different accounts out there um, about the skinwalkers. You know, it's kind of all you got to do is look, and they're all over the place. So, so let's talk a little bit about a little more. We kind of jumped into it, but we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, Skinwalker Ranch um, and about tra the interview with Travis Taylor. So you know, the ranch is located in uh, a place called West. Uinta County, bordering the Ute Indian Reservation. And, you know, historically, it's it's often called like UFO Ranch because, you know, people see these weird things out there. I mean, lots of different glowing, flying orbs, um, a lot of incidents with vanishing and mutilated cattle, and then also stunned, stunned cattle as well, right? You yeah, know. yeah, very uh, creepy. That mutilation stuff has been going on for a long time, man. Exactly, exactly. And uh, the owner of the ranch originally, like the person who was running it as a ranch, Terry Sherman, um, he was basically, him and his family were terrorized by whatever's going on there and ended up selling the ranch uh, for about 200000 to Robert Bigelow, the millionaire mm -hmm. guy, you know, space, space flight guy out there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um um and uh bigelow brought in a lot of experts to do the investigations like you were talking about but unfortunately a lot of that stuff wasn't uh wasn't published at all like it's top secret or classified information which is definitely disappointing and then in 2016 bigelow sold the skinwalker ranch for about four and a half million dollars to a company called uh, Ad Adamantium Holdings. Um, and it turns out that this company, uh, uh, Adamantium Holdings, is owned by this uh, you know very wealthy guy, billionaire Brandon Fugel, who's the guy on the TV show now. Yeah, yeah, he's, in a, he's a realtor, right? Right, Some he's a 46-year-old Utah real estate tycoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so it's pretty interesting. And he he has like a head of security on the ranch. He hired a guy, I forget his name, who works on the ranch full time and is like the chief investigator and has put all the instrumentation and cameras and everything out all over the ranch, you know, measuring all kinds of different things. Super cool. And they have a lot of evidence, you know, like a lot of photographs and things like that. There's definitely a lot of stuff going on there on a regular basis. And then uh, Brandon Fugel brought in Travis Taylor, who we talked about earlier, as this, you know, completely objective, absolute expert in science, technology, you name it. You know, I mean, the guy's, his pedigree and uh, educational background is unbelievable, right? Yeah. Um, so, so Travis Taylor comes in and um, they, uh, they ask him some questions. On uh, this website, I'm trying to uh, remember what the heck the name of the website is. Jeez, um, I want to give him a shout out here. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, I'll find it here. I'll find okay. it. Yeah, I'll find it. But anyway, so they interview Travis. It's pretty interesting. And if you watch the show, this guy's interesting. And he comes out, he's completely skeptical. And everybody has so much passion that works on the ranch. Like, they don't even want to go to certain locations on the ranch, even in broad daylight, because they know something weird is going to happen, 
even the first day there. And sure enough, when he's there, they see all kinds of weird measurements, you know, like very high uh, levels of microwave radiation, which is very strange. Like there's nothing around this place for miles and miles and miles. And they have the meters out and he's saying it's, you know, uh, a level of uh, microwave that would cause damage to you. You yeah, know. as though you were standing by an open microwave yeah, oven, so exactly. to speak, he running. He says that. He, as if the, if the microwave door was open and it was running so that no shielding was in place. Right. Right. And he says, at first I was very skeptical of the phenomena of the ranch uh, or being some natural phenomena that may cause hallucinations, you know, or uh, an unnatural phenomena that causes you know, some kind of lights to be seen in the sky, or maybe there's some kind of classified defense project. So kind of getting to what I got, to, what I mentioned, right? Right, In right. a natural way. And then he starts to talk about, you know, they put all kinds of instrumentation and sensors out there in the field, and they definitely saw a lot of different things. You know, uh, the one that was spectacular to me, Bill, like when he first went to the ranch, they showed him these photographs of like a beam of light, almost like a large searchlight shining up at the sky. Coming from the earth up. Coming from the earth up. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's a photograph, beautiful quality photograph, unmistakable. And I think he asked in the show, like, uh, there's not like a used car lot on the other side of the mountain. <laughs> you know, it looked that way, right? Like a giant like searchlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, there's nothing. And then sure enough, when he goes out there one night, when they camped out and set up all the infrared cameras and stuff, looking at this ridge, not only does the ridge itself glow in the pitch dark on the infrared, it's given off energy, then they see this beam. Yeah. Coming diagonally out of the earth up towards the sky right there from adjacent to the ridge. Yeah, very strange. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is not normal. And there's nothing there. They're, they're out in the middle of like nowhere at that ranch. I, I mean, there's, there's nothing there uh, to the natural man or mind that would be capable of doing something like that. Yeah, the only thing he touches on in this interview um, is it's pretty interesting. He says, you know, like there's there's no doubt about it that in the whole surrounding area in a, a, a town called Fort Duquesne, uh, Roosevelt and other, uh, you know, and a couple other towns that are nearby all the time, they're reporting phenomena that's outside of the boundaries of normal. Right. And but he says that if you look at this Uinta Basin, right where the ranch is, yeah. like on Google or on Google Earth, he said it looks like it's a big crater, almost like an ancient meteor might have impacted there and buried itself. Yeah. In there. So he says it looks like it came in from the east, heading to the west at a low inclination, you know, kind of tangent to the earth. Right. And then it slammed into the earth, maybe buried itself there. Uh, right in the U Uinta Basin. And then right. supporting that, he says that there's a, you know, a, a, a mineral uh, called gilsonite that's all around this basin. And he says it's typically only found in meteor impact craters. Yeah, very interesting. And so we'll, at some point we'll get possibly some information as to these beams and the glowing and whatnot. But then you still have to deal with the fact that this curse... Uh, was put upon this uh, tribe by the other tribe of the Skinwalker. Right. And then you yes. still also have these, you know, mutilated cattle. Where does that come in? Like you yeah, could see dead cattle if they got hit with a microwave beam or something like that. But why mutilated? Right. And sliced surgically. Exactly. And by, by the way, uh, the mutilated cattle situation over there and, and some other places... Uh, the term uh, laser was used after the surgical community, like globally, started to experiment with and use lasers in surgeries. But up until that point, they didn't have the terminology. They just said it was looked like it was done with a scalpel. Yeah. Uh, but now people are using the term laser because these wounds seem to be cauterized. Uh, and then there's typically no blood. 
it's a yeah, very, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. It's a very strange uh, set of circumstances between the the lights and the glowing and the EMF and the microwave and the mutilations and the skinwalkers. It's just like, where do you go? Yeah. And, and it's interesting, too. So this guy, you know, is a scientist. He works for the government. He works on secret projects and stuff like that. And, like, he openly says, you know, by the way, a lot of folks reach this conclusion that this odd, strange thing is, oh, it's probably a classified government program, and maybe they're even doing some human testing. And it's interesting. He comes out and says, hey, although stuff like that happened in the 60s and maybe in the 70s, he's like, that stuff doesn't happen anymore, you know, and, and somebody would go to jail. It's just, you know, so he basically says, forget that whole idea, um, which I tend to agree with. You know, I mean, this... Our government did some really stupid stuff in the past with, you know, experiments and putting people in danger. And maybe they didn't even know um, if I give them the benefit of the doubt. But I don't think that stuff happens anymore. Yeah. And uh, uh, what are you talking about? Some kind of Frankenstein type? Like they're aiming a beam out there, you know, and to see what see what kind of damage it can do. Maybe they could use it as a weapon or something like that. Yeah, un- unbeknownst to the people who the beam is pointed at, they want to see what happens to the yeah. community. And then in the interview, they also say, the last point I'll talk about, they said, you know, maybe the government, the interviewer says, maybe the government is hiding the evidence of the extraterrestrials, you know, because people would be terrified if they heard about that. And it's interesting, you know, this gentleman, Travis Taylor, says, you know, he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't really think, that would happen that way, but we've certainly all heard that theory, you know. Like, yeah. and and it's interesting. He specifically says, "What is an invasion of something that's invisible due to society?" And he said, "Well, maybe it all makes us go hide in our houses and afraid to touch anybody." And then he says, "That's exactly <laughs> what's happening right now, you know." Yeah, yeah. as an alien invasion, but it's with COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And then he, he does point out, by the way, the guy's got a good sense of humor. He says, but I'm not saying that the virus is from outer space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, so another topic we're hitting on, and uh, who knows where it may lead in the future, you know? Absolutely. But there is definitely some strange goings-on globally with a variety of different things for which currently there is no factual uh, evidence or interpretation, you know? No. And by the way, this interview, uh, it's on a website called wearethemighty.com. And uh, it's got some great pictures on there, too. I'll put some of the pictures. I'll put the article, too, up on our website uh, so you can find it. It's a nice interview with this guy, Travis Taylor, who seems like a brilliant guy uh, and also probably somebody you'd like to have a beer with sometime if you got the opportunity. Yeah, very interesting cat to uh, listen to, and I certainly would like to belly up with him and have a good conversation. <laughs> exactly. You know, wow, that's crazy. Well, good job with that, Kev. You know, we'll we'll see where it takes us down the road. Yeah, I think we'll talk about it some more, you know, especially based on what they uncover here. Yeah, that would be since we're both kind of going along with that. Uh, maybe we could kind of hi- bring some highlights to the table as this uh, show unveils. Definitely. Definitely, whatever they find, you know, because it's certainly right in my wheelhouse uh, with the strange and bizarre, you know. Oh, no doubt about it. Wow. Okay, so let's change gears here and uh, dig into a little Bigfoot action. <laughs> now, this uh, this account was told to me by a fellow named Paul Cataldi, uh, a guy who's now living in New Jersey, but spent his youth in western Tennessee. So I invite you to listen as I tell Paul's story as to just what happened to him, his uncle, and his father in the fall of 1968. My dad and uncle used to regularly hunt deer in the western hills of Tennessee during the fall. At the time of this occurrence, of which I am about to speak, I was only 10 years old and not quite ready to handle a long rifle in the woods. Nevertheless, my dad and uncle took me along for this particular hunt. My dad and his brother always hunted together 
and my dad was the older of the two by six years. On this particular day, I remember that it was quite chilly, and we were set up by the edge of an old farm field. Looking back, I think my dad and uncle had an agreement of some kind with the owner to be there. We had gotten into the area just before sunup, and by 7 o'clock, the shot rang out, and my uncle had scored a six-pointer. When I tell people the things that we used to eat on a regular basis, living now in New Jersey, they generally cringe at the very thought of it. But back then, we ate deer, possum, raccoon, rabbit, and damn near anything that you could take down with a gun. I remember my uncle saying that the deer had to go all of 200 pounds, and it sure was a nice animal. To get it out of the woods, they had to make what is little known today as a carry pole. Uncle Joe carried a small hatchet in a belt sheath, and he would cut down a small sapling and trim it up. This would become the carrying pole that they would sling the deer to. While Uncle Joe was trimming up the tree, my dad had flipped the deer on its side and had begun to tie the four legs together and apply a rope to the antlers. When Uncle Joe was done, he laid the pole next to the deer's feet and head, and my dad helped to rope the deer to this pole. With that, they crouched down in the front and rear of the deer and hoisted him up on their shoulders to carry him out of the woods, the deer now being suspended between them on this pole. We had a long walk in, and now we were going to have a longer walk back out carrying the deer, but you never heard a word from my dad or uncle about it being difficult. As a funny side note, The vehicle that we came into the woods in was named the Crap Wagon. I'll let you guys read the correct terminology into what this wagon was called, but I'm calling it the Crap Wagon. I always thought it was funny when my Uncle Joe said crap because my dad never cursed. It was an old country squire station wagon that was given to him. He had cut the roof out of the back up to the front bench seat and had made a partition wall sealing off the front from the now open back. This was what I would call a poor man's pickup truck that he used to shovel manure into, amongst other things, for his garden. Hence the name the crap wagon. We were about halfway back to this wagon when my dad said that he wanted to put the deer down and check out another spot for a minute with my uncle and myself. By the way, I should mention that there was absolutely nobody around here. We had driven in on a dirt road full of bumps and ditches and had walked hundreds of yards through a trail to get where we were hunting. If you broke down in there, it was going to be a long day. My dad and uncle laid the deer down gently, and we proceeded to walk off into the woods to inspect this area that my dad was talking about. We were gone for about 15 minutes, having inspected what was a nice little meadow back in the trees, and had turned around to head back out of the woods. When we made it back out to the path, all of us were looking around like we had done something wrong. Even I was dead sure that we had come back out exactly the way we had gone in, and yet there was no deer. I remember my uncle saying, am I out of my mind? Where's the damn buck? It took all of about 20 seconds for my dad to look down and see some drag marks which took his eyes directly to what was the pole tree laying just up the path with the ropes beside it. As we walked over to it, my uncle reached down and picked up the ropes and said, these damn things were snapped. 
My dad grabbed one and agreed. You're right. These weren't cut. They were broken off. My uncle cursed angrily. Son of a bitch. All they had to do was untie the damn knot if you didn't want the pole. It was then that my dad said, Hey, check this out. Look at these damn footprints. As we looked down, there were a number of very large human-like footprints in some of the softer soil on the trail. It was then that my uncle said, Son of a bitch, we've been ripped off by a booger. Now, I had no idea what he was talking about or what a booger was at that time. But my dad was shaking his head in agreement. My dad started saying, Some son of a bitch booger followed us out and ripped off our damn deer. If that don't take the damn cake, I don't know what does. Son of a bitch, I'm fighting mad. He was crazy mad and his face showed it while my dad just stood there rather calmly. Well, my dad said, there's no sense in hanging around here and crying all day. Let's get the heck out of here. Excuse me for a second. <coughs> and so where did we go from here? Just as we were leaving, my uncle handed me a piece of the rope and said, you keep this, son, as a booger's souvenir. With that, he shoved the other piece in his jacket pocket. As we were now walking out with my uncle yelling and screaming, I kept looking at the rope and was trying to pull it apart myself. It was impossible. It was a half inch thick and the knots were still tied tightly. The fibers had been completely torn apart from each other. And I couldn't imagine what this booger thing was that had the power to do this. For the entire ride home, my uncle was shouting and pounding on the dashboard, screaming that some dumbass booger had gotten the better of two grown men. When we got home, my mother and aunt were waiting for our arrival. And before my uncle even stopped the car, he was shouting out the window how the booger stole the deer. My mother pulled me aside and brought me in the house to wash up and have something to drink. Five minutes later, everyone was at the table with my aunt and mother making some bacon and eggs. It was then, while we were eating breakfast, that I finally spoke up and asked if somebody could tell me what a booger is. Well, my uncle said that it was a big, hairy-ass critter that lived in the woods and howls like a wolf. And as soon as he said that, my aunt shushed him, saying, don't tell him that. He'll be afraid to go outside. But my dad broke in saying that the boy is old enough to know now, especially after what happened today. The truth is always best in all circumstances. Well, my dad went on to talk about this creature called the hairy man of the woods, which some people call a booger or a wild man. He said that they were known around these parts for as long as there had been people. They steal critters, food, and kill livestock. He even said that some say they have taken people. The picture I had sent you via email was the piece of rope that my uncle handed me in the woods that day. Until my dying day, I will never forget that day in the Tennessee woods. Pretty bizarre, huh, Kevin? Whoa. Boogers are back. Boogers in the backwoods. Yeah. I got one question, though. This little boy, 10 years old, in the Tennessee woods, and he says he's not re quite ready for a long rifle? Yeah, I don't know. If it's a big gun, he might have a tough time handling it, you know? I guess so. I guess so. You know, I don't remember quite being 10, but, you know, when you grab a, a, a 30 odd 6 it's a formidable piece, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm just still thinking of, uh, wasn't it... Uh, uh, Davy Crockett, who, uh, you know, beat up the 10-foot bear with a Bowie knife when he was three years old. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but I'm kind of thinking that was stretched a little bit. Yeah. I mean, listen, a kid could easily shoot a 22. 
Uh, but, you know, a larger bore rifle, big gun like that, probably be heavy to wield. Yeah. At, at any rate, you know, he's in hunting with uh, uncle and dad, and they both have rifles. See, the, the last thing you need is another piece walking Oh, no, no, woods, I'm just know? kidding. I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah, no, it's, I know, I know. It's cool. But uh, this is his recollection of what happened, you know. And really, all they had to show for it was the snapped rope, the deer gone, and the footprints in the soft soil. Yeah, big footprints. And their experience with boogers in that part of the world, right? So they know what it is. Yeah, well, obviously, after things unfolded back at the house, sure, you know, a little bit of the facts come out about, you know, well, these things have been talked about around here for a long time. And uh, interesting, though, that something would be stalking you looking to potentially take your catch. Mm. It's kind of freaky, you know, and I've heard this before. Of uh, And I told you, I think, Kev, at the time I was fly fishing, uh, and I had laid a nice rainbow down on the edge of this creek. And the I heard some rustling. Now, there was a lot of critters around this uh, Konequat River. And I heard some rustling in the bushes. And believe me when I tell you, in certain beats on this river, you can't see two feet beyond the bank. That's how dense... The, uh, the foliage is there and the grass and everything. So I hear some rustling, and I'm standing in my waders, and I'm flipping the fly. And all of a sudden, I see a raccoon pop its head out. <laughs> and I stood there. It looked at me. It looked left and right, and then ducked back in. Well, maybe, I, I don't remember so long ago. Let's just say five, ten minutes later, I hear some rustling again. And what happens this little bugger poked its head out right where the rainbow was, snatched it, and ducked back into the grass. So, you know, when I see things like that and I hear a story about this Bigfoot following these people, I don't doubt for one minute that things may realize what's going on around them and have learned how to take advantage of, of things like stealing what somebody else has taken down. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I we've seen a lot of accounts like that, Bill. Yeah. Taking fish up in Alaska, you know. I mean, most most commonly it's fish. We had what a week or two ago, the uh, the the Bigfoot taking uh, Martin out of the traps. Right. That's right. You know yeah. that kind of slipped my mind. That was another example. Absolutely. And look, why not? You find something dead. You're hungry. Easy. Just figure out how to get it out or rip it out or bite a hunk out of it and, and leave the rest there, you know? Yeah. Very bizarre, you know, but uh, I like that also that it's dated 1968. Yeah, it's good vintage. Yeah, vintage stuff and like really like poor people stuff, you know? I don't mean to uh, sound demeaning, but, you know, this guy... Uh, a little ingenious that the kid remembers him making a pickup truck out of a Ford wagon. <laughs> by, uh, and carrying yeah. manure in it. No, what? no wonder why it got the name, by the way. Jeez. Yeah. They're not the most creative bunch. <laughs> but look, you make do with what you have. You oh, know? I'm not You're being just... critical of that. I'm saying yeah. the name. Yeah. Of course it's. Yeah. Course yeah. It's the crap. The crap wagon, you know, because he hauled <laughs> mainly manure around in it. Because it's full you know? of crap. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's a great account bill let's uh let's jump into some we got some great listener mail this week okay let's Good do it stuff all right we are going to go up to british columbia with terry hmm. and terry says and british columbia by the way a hotbed of bigfoot sightings beautiful british columbia as in beautiful to see the hairy man <laughs> and Terry writes, I'm really enjoying your show and look forward to each week's broadcast. I saw what I believe to be a Bigfoot walking at a great distance across a tundra type of area some 10 years ago. When you huh. see one, it is unmistakable to the natural mind. And yet it is still hard to believe, even as you see it. I uh, believe that. Yeah, there's no doubt about yeah, he says, it. I all mean, the best, Terry. So cool stuff, Terry. Yeah, and 
anybody would be wrestling in the moment, especially if you're alone. Yeah. Uh, when you cite something like that, like a Bigfoot. Yeah. And you say to myself, holy smokes, look at that. And then you're left with, you know, the isolation of knowing what you've seen. Uh, I would imagine this guy was probably a hunter. Did he say he was a hunter? He didn't say it, but could be. Yeah. Out I, in the middle of a nowhere. lot of people up there are experienced. Could be working up there, too, you know. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he was hunted for skinwalkers and ran across a Bigfoot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be crazy to be hunting skinwalkers, by the way. <laughs> That is some bizarre stuff, man. I can't get that out of my head, no, man. No, no. But here's a guy, right? See something walking across this tundra. It's not some guy in a zoot suit. And 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 he's like, wow, man, unmistakable. That was right. definitely a Bigfoot. Yeah. And so what's the alternative to that? That somebody in the middle of desolation was waiting around in some giant Bigfoot suit for one person to show up, maybe. Right. To go walking away to and not, him and, and not get shot, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. All Thanks right, for Terry, writing that's, that's good. You gotta tell us some more about this sighting when you get get a chance. Yeah, yep. All right. And now we go to the middle of the US to Dean outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. And he says, I'm up north by the Canadian border, or I was up north by the Canadian border while hunting. I heard howls, just like the one you filed on your website. This thing sounded like a freight train, and we had no sense of distance regarding it. Had it been next to you, it more than likely could break your eardrums. That's how deep and loud it was. Great podcast. Holy smoke. Yeah, eerie. Uh, you know, Kev, and then he, he's talking about that. Now I'm, I'm visualizing that clip yes. where the people recorded that howl. Yeah, and I told you, I expected it to sound like not something I never heard before, but then I would think it was a coyote because I've heard coyotes before, and they sound like the weirdest thing you ever heard, like human-like and loud. And then uh -huh. I heard that thing, and I like his description, you know, like a freight train. Yeah, I mean, just that bellowing guttural. It's like a freaking horn or a, all these descriptions, right? A train whistle, a freight train. It's just like so powerful and so resonating that it just like shakes you. What a freaking monster, you know? What a powerful, powerful creature that Bigfoot is. Yeah, it's no, every, crazy. Every, every aspect of them just reeks of just like strength and dominance, you know? No, absolutely. And that sound, it's the sound of that eight-foot frame that you hear described with the V-shaped back and all muscle and no neck. Yeah, just brutal. Brutal creatures, you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, so that's one for the bag, you know. I mean, oh what God. a great. And, you know, again, uh, what was this fella's name? Uh, his name was Dean. Dean, you know, uh, if you get a chance, get back at us. I mean, I'd love to talk to you, even if it was for five minutes, to find out a little bit more detail of where you were, what what were the surrounds, you know, uh, just give us a little more grist for the mill if you get a chance. Because I, I love the details. Oh, yeah. Just incredible. Wow. Absolutely. Kevin. Yeah. All right. Now, next one is from Seth. Seth doesn't say where he is, but he says, hello. I absolutely love the podcast. I love listening to it. Keep it up. And then he says, I contacted you in regards to a video I saw online by a man of the by the name of Tim Wells. He's a professional hunter that was in the mountains of Idaho hunting elk. The video is called Tim Wells Bigfoot. You can see it on YouTube. I was curious if you have seen the video, and if you haven't, I'd love to know, or if you have, I'd love to know your input. Kindest regards, Seth. So yeah, I, now, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I looked at that clip, and that's why I uh, forwarded that one to you. Yep. I mean, this guy, this is a guy in a monkey suit all day long. <laughs> did you see it? I did. I did. Yeah, I mean, it looked, it looked like a cheapo Halloween costume, full body, Bigfoot. It just reeked uh, fake and fraud to me. <laughs> it is funny, you know. That you can just see, um, you know, when you see it's fake, there's no doubt about it, it's fake. Not to say that, you know, you could see something that's real, you think is real, and it is fake. But when it's fake, it's fake. You know, I mean, yeah, it's so obvious. You know, Kev, if we use as our barometer uh, in recent weeks, that Craven Bigfoot. Yes. You put that footage next to that other one side by side and run them. That Craven thing, if that was a guy in a suit, I'll eat my boots and my hat <laughs> and my undershorts. That freaking Craven thing was spot on the real deal as, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, this other thing, I don't know where that came from. What do, what do you think about that? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know. Yeah, for, very bizarre looking, you know, yeah. and the thing just looks around the tree, jet black. It looked like it had a plastic face. Well, that's the did... hardest part, too, right? That's why we get nervous when we don't see the face, you know, if it looks suspicious, because it's hard to fake the face, right? You know? Well, and to make it look natural. That's what, you I, know mean. what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Just cool. very bizarre looking. All right. Our last note comes in from Tawana in Colombia. Hola, Toana. She says, you guys, <laughs> she says, you guys are the best. I have read all your books and encourage others to do the same. But nothing beats hearing you speak about the stories. Where are the hot spots for sightings today? It seems very random. Love you guys. Well, what do you think of that, Kev? Hot spots. Well, today, there's not a lot of hot spots because we're all locked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the hot spots are relative to where the COVID is active. <laughs> I did go out for a hike here in North Carolina today with my daughter, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, cool day with Carolina blue skies, and we were back in the forest along a lake shore, um, but we didn't see any evidence of the hairy man. And fortunately, we didn't see many other folks either, which was good. <laughs> These days, that's a good hike. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as far as hotspots, I mean, we know the areas, the Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, there, there's so many areas, uh, East Texas, Arkansas, parts of what would be like northern Louisiana, up around Michigan, uh, Minnesota, upstate New York, Maine. I mean, there's spots all over the place. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, so where is a hot spot? The hot spot is where the next sighting occurs. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, you know, rural places, generally speaking, that, that's where you're going to see them. And it's very difficult, like you've said many times, Bill, to go out there, you know, um, when you're never out in those regions and just go out hoping to see a Bigfoot. I mean, it's not going to happen. You work out there, you're a forest ranger, you know, you work on oil rigs in Alaska or something like that. You got a good chance of seeing them. Yeah, because you're, a you're hunter, out there, you know. Yeah, you're out there all the time snooping around, being quiet. And uh, who knows what you run across, you know. Let's put it this way. If all I did was uh, live in the hospital, work, and come home, the odds of me seeing a Bigfoot are like slim and none. Right. It's just not going to happen. So, Agreed. you know. And that's why a lot of people think this whole thing is one big farce. Because they live in a fishbowl and they can't see outside the bowl. All they know is their life inside the bowl. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely that, Bill. But then it's also, I mean, there's so many hoaxers out there, too. That yeah. doesn't help with the cause. Well, there's no doubt about that. You yeah. Know. But uh, really some excellent mail today. And that howl up on the border oh, of Canada. Yeah. yeah. Jeez, that is just like uh, creepy. That, that, is, that howl is skinwalker creepy. Yeah, that... I, I can't imagine being there, whether you were solo or with somebody else, in particular if it was in the darkness or if you were unarmed. Man, 
you know, the thoughts that would go through your mind in that moment, you know, would be just incredible. Yeah. Wow. Boy, that's bizarre. Well, so, Kev, why don't you tell everybody where they can get in touch with us? Yeah, to, definitely. Uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. We love hearing from you. Just go in there. We also have a lot of good information on every episode. Uh, you know, I try to put up some photos, some videos, anything that I reference, we put up on the website in the episode section under the relevant episode. Come on over, check it out. And then, of course, we love your reviews. We've been getting great reviews from you. And I would ask all of you now, um, please, from your favorite podcast player, you can do it right now. Go over, give us five stars. And the reason why I ask you to do that is that's how we get more listeners. It's directly related to the ratings you leave, the number of ratings, and the five-star ratings. And um, and if we get more listeners, we're able to make a better quality podcast for all of you. So thank you very much. Be safe. Stay away from this COVID-19 mess. Yeah, folks. Uh, wow, that's incredible. I think it was a great show, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, Kev, your uh, take on the Skinwalker and uh, a little bit of the uh, historicity of uh, what was going on there. And we're going to uh, keep pounding down the doors uh, to bring you uh, quality podcasts. So in the meantime, stay safe. And remember, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. Sleep tight.